0: Everybody and welcome to another episode of Why Did I Like It? This is now my official, like, third time recording this one, or fifth. I honestly lost count. I've been getting used to the new setup. I got a new machine. She's a powerful beast, and it's uh, it's hard to tame her sometimes. Anyway, moving on. Today, we're going to talk about something that actually shaped a lot of my teenage years. We're going to try to figure out why did I like the X Games? Now, the X Games were known as the Extreme Games, are known as, well, they were known as the Extreme Games. Now they're just the X Games. They were started by ESPN and ABC in 1995 in Providence and Newport. I believe that's Rhode Island. And the the, the whole purpose of these was to bring all the sports that were on the fringe and they weren't really seen as sports like skateboarding, BMX, uh, surfing, snowboarding, skiing, all that kind of stuff, to bring them together in an Olympics-style competition where it was you know pomp and circumstance and all these different things so initially back in the day the main events were you know moto x which is motocross which is you know those motorcycles that you know have the very thin and they go skateboarding bmx freestyle surfing rallying off-road trucks which must have been awesome to see mountain biking which i feel like that's always in those commercials where it's like you gotta hang tough no that's a Jeep, whatever climbing, which I don't, I, I can see why these are no longer surfing, rally, and mountain biking and climbing are no longer a part of uh, X Games. Street luge, which <laughs> you lay down, <laughs> they slide you down a street on a board. Uh, Windsurfing, wakeboarding, sky surfing, bungee jumping, which I don't know how you would really score that. It's, I, I guess if you lived, then you you win, and if you didn't, then they're like, well, he's gonna have to try again next year, maybe. Work on that form. Try to land like a feather instead of like a brick. Inline skating, roller skating, which was one of my favorite parts of uh, X Games back in the day. And um, it was, you know, it it was the event was promoted by, like I said, ESPN, which is an actual sports company. So it was in its earliest forms. It was this rudimentary gathering of these people who you know, were either from Venice Beach and New York or different cities where skateboarding and all these different, you know, sports where we're prominent. And to bring them together to have this event was unprecedented. And um, it was actually such a big deal that Tony Hawk, who was like the most legendary skateboarder ever, actually came out of retirement in order to participate in the X Games. He had uh, some crazy things happened through X Games over the year, which unless you're a skateboarding fan, you'd be like, well, that's not that crazy. But Goofy foot, which is a, it's like a reverse position. So, okay, when you skateboard, you use your right foot normally if that's your dominant. Like, if you're right-handed, you use your right foot to use the skateboard to, you know, navigate it, whatever, peruse the terrain. Bob Bernquist was doing a half pipe, which is a curved ramp. And in the middle of this event, he got turned around. So his left foot became the dominant foot, which eventually became known as goofy foot, which was just, you know, you turned around your skateboard. But... To see him do the entire routine, essentially backwards, was crazy. It was one of the benchmarks of the early X Games, which was huge to me. Um, then you had things like Tony Hawk's 900, which was a trick where he rotated, I don't know the math, to get to 900. You had um, Dave Mira's double backflip on a bike, which had never been done before. You had Travis Pastrana do a double backflip on a motocross bike, which is legit, like, how how are you doing that? How did you do that? And then later on, when you had, you know, X Games, you know, have a winter version in 1998, that became basically the Sean White Show, who was this legendary snowboarder. Uh, He invented a trip, a trick, a trip. He invented a trick called the Double McTwist 1260. Again, I cannot think of what the math is. Sorry, 1997, not 1998 was when they started. I cannot think of the math behind that trick for Sean White. And also, the X Games were so influential that all of these people that I just named, except for Bob Bernquist, had their own games off of it. Dave Mirra had a BMX game, Travis Pastrana. I don't think he had a game, but he eventually started Nitro Circus, which is still going. It's a touring that stunt show basically with motocross and skateboarding and BMX where they have like fireworks and special effects. And they do these really insane, you know, like ramps and dives and everything. It's crazy. It's awesome. There was a show on MTV for a while that I was obsessed with because after doing this a couple times, I realized that my entire teenage life was just me watching MTV, playing video games and thinking I could be a skateboarder and also listening to emo music. But the overlord understands that Sean White had, you know, like they all had video games. You know what? Rant time. Hold on. <laughs> Rant time. Rant time. Because the biggest video game to come out of X Games, in my personal opinion, which also had its own game, but it was really rudimentary, is like on PlayStation 1, it was called Extreme Games. It wasn't even called X Games yet. The game was called Extreme Games, and it was so bad. Even for the time, I was like, this game is awful. My brother and I loved playing it, but the game was almost impossible to play, if I'm being honest. Anyway, but rant time. The power of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. For those of you who don't know, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was the game that came out that rivaled games like GoldenEye or any wrestling game at the time or, you know, a Mario game or whatever in its popularity, especially amongst groups of adolescent teenage boys. Because you, if you owned a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, you were already better than your friends. Also, if you owned it when it was new, I mean, you could buy it used from like an electronic boutique or Funko Land. And then it was like we'd see that big used sticker slapped on the front of it so they can embarrass you. Here's your used game because you couldn't afford to buy it new when it came out. Enjoy your used game. There might be saved game data on it from someone else, but enjoy that used game. That's how they actually talk to you, too. But if you own Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, especially in you, then your friends would flock to your house. Now, the downside to this was the fact that when you would play it and do these tricks, which was like you'd do a rail slide where you slide on your skateboard on like a railing, and then you'd do like a kick-flip and you'd kick the board underneath you, and then you'd Ollie, and then you'd do a handstand on the edge of a ramp. You could think to yourself, realistically, I can do this. And this is what happened to me. I was like, I can do this as like Green Day played in the background. <laughs> That's the sound of Tony Hawks Pro Skater 2. And I got myself a skateboard and was like, this is it. I'm about to start my journey to becoming a pro skateboarder. I obliterated my knees and my elbow every single time. As a matter of fact, I have scars on my body still. I feel like I should, I feel like I should sue Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. I feel like for negligence. I mean, there was probably a disclaimer that said, Don't try this at home because you're probably an untalented, uncoordinated, unathletic loser. But they didn't say that. So they owe me at least $20. I'll take $20. I'm not trying to, or a used version of the games. I can't find mine. Rant over. But yeah, so, you know, when the X Games were started and all these people became household names for the most part and, you know, got these video game deals and these brand deals, it would, ex- it would explode over the years. So they started doing X Fest where they would have bands come in and they'd have all these different, you know, events and vendors and all these kind of things. Similar to like a warp Tour or, you know, Lollapalooza. Pick any festival where people hang out in a dirty field for like a day or whatever in the heat. So X-Fest was part and parcel with the X Games going forward. And as the, as the games grew in popularity, it's kind of waned in recent years. It was legitimately like they would take on, or society itself would take on this extreme identity, it was around the 2000s, I want to say, where they started doing... Everything was extreme. It was like even shows... Back to MTV. Like, Viva La Bam were about this dude and his boys, you know, Bam Marger and his crew, who were basically skateboarders at the end of the day, just pulling really silly pranks and going through shenanigans. Then you had Robin Big, which was about a skateboarder and his bodyguard. And they just pulled shenanigans. Hold on, wait a minute. I'm starting to see a, a trend. Then there was... Then there was Nitro Circus, which in between the stunts would be about the crew pulling shenanigans. Hold on. Wait. MTV was just shenanigans all the time. And I'm here for it. Anyway, so, you had that. so as a matter of fact, MTV also produced a movie called Grind that was about skateboarding that I know for a fact no one has ever seen. Because I brought this up a few times. Like, hey, you guys ever seen Grind? No one knows it. No, I had to actually get the DVD from a GameStop and it was used. And they slapped the big used sticker on it. And they just said, shame, 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 shame." shame. as I walked out my used DVD of Grind, which actually had Bam Margera in it. But yeah, so these guys became literally household names, and you would see them everywhere. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite commercials was this Mountain Dew commercials. I'm going to reenact it for you guys live on the air. Well, not live because this is a pre recorded podcast, but you know what I mean. Semantics, y'all. Come on, don't make me get mad. Anyway, so before I murked my knees. <laughs> on my skateboard. I used to just, I, I used to intake everything that was with skateboarding. And when this one commercial came on, I was like, this is amazing. So the dude, the skateboarder is on a mountain for some reason. He's like, all right, I got to finish this trick. And the half pipe is on the mountain. He's like, all right, I got this. I'm going to drop in and do this extreme trick. But I feel a little dehydrated. Come on, bro. You got this. You got this. You got this. You got this. Goes up in the air. Mind you, he's on a mountain. Like I said, he's on a mountain. And... It's like, oh, no. He starts dreading in the middle of this trick, like, oh, no, I'm not going to make it. Somebody from another mountain miles away is like, hey, bro, here you go. And launches a Mountain Dew and it goes through the air. The dude catches it, throws it down, lands the trick. Now, that's the end of the commercial. Now, there's so many things that like, well, one, watching this as a teenager, like, it was extreme. I I believe I said the phrase that was <laughs> that was extreme mentor. I had to get mentor in there. It's been a while since I pointed him out or shouted him out. But I was like that. That is the most amazing I've ever seen. And I promise you, first of all, it made me love Mountain Dew to this day. Like if I'm at a, a restaurant and I'm not drinking seltzer water or lemonade or whatever, I will <laughs> order Mountain Dew. <laughs> I am, like, even, I just, I don't know, Mountain Dew and the Extreme marketing campaign. Because that's what what was going on. Like, everything was extreme around this era. Like, everything. And I don't know why it would be so extreme. Because that seems intense now. Everything being extreme is so intense that you had to just, like, hope for the best. Like, I'm just going to do this. And I know it's going to be really extreme. But hopefully I make it through. But also, you didn't really care. So it was with reckless abandon. So, you know, forget the whole hope I make it through thing. You were just going for it. So, like, for example, they had extreme Doritos. (laughs) Like, I don't know what it was. It was called extreme Doritos. I don't know what was so extreme about them. Like, if you just... If you opened up the bag and you put it on the counter and stood back, the chip would just launch itself out the bag right into your mouth. And then you would explode. The chip would murk you because it was too extreme. You just got murked by a bag of Doritos. Oh, man. As a matter of fact, oh, baby bird is about to feed you on how extreme actually changed something. <sighs> so, big eagle, big eagle. Um, all right, so back in the in the eighties and nineties, wrestling was popular, but in the mid nineties, it started to like fall off because nobody cared about it anymore. It was just it was too hokey, it was childish. A lot of people who watched it as kids had grown up, and they were more into things like the X Games, Jerry Springer, Extreme Doritos, I guess. Pearl Jam or whatever. And so wrestling was very boring when it came to like the two companies, WCW and WWF at the time, which is now WWE. Suddenly in the middle of Philadelphia came this company that was called Eastern Championship Wrestling. Long story short, it was eventually bought by a man named Paul Heyman and Paul Heyman changed it to extreme championship wrestling. When he changed it to extreme championship wrestling, they started doing a bunch of like hardcore violent matches with fire, barbed wire, tables, chairs, like nudity. It was it was crazy. I was not allowed to watch it, but I did. Like most kids in the 90s, because nobody was watching us, like I told you. And so this company influenced WWE to become more extreme, but they changed it. It wasn't extreme to them. They had attitude. We had an attitude. Yeah, dude, attitude. So WWF, WWE attitude became the mantra for the company. So they started doing more risque storylines, more violent matches, everything like that. And one of the biggest Attitude Era stars besides Stone Cold Steve Austin, oh, heck yeah, was The Rock. And as we all know, The Rock is now one of, if not the biggest uh, actor in Hollywood, honestly. you know. And on top of that, this gave rise to the current... Owner of the entire company Triple H, who became a massive star in the Attitude Era, also. So I guess Extreme saved Hollywood and saved wrestling. I mean, you know, can't you can't can't fight it. So I guess that Extreme marketing at the end of the day, which I wish I would be one of those meetings where, like, I hope that everyone's sitting around a table. How do we sell this this Mountain Dew? I don't even know. And some guy like. With a beanie on, a puka shell necklace, a skateboard under his hand, and a CD player playing Rancid kicks the door and boom. I heard you guys want to get extreme. And he just holds it. And all the ad execs are like, oh my gosh, who let this man in here? But he's so extreme that he explodes too. Put a bomb noise in here. He explodes. Because when you're so extreme, you just explode. I don't know. The X Games were very, very awesome because it led to this entire lifestyle that I was so in, so engaged in. Um, and I was more emo than I was pop punk, but I kind of teetered the line between the two because I did love a lot of the bands that would play at X-Fest and I loved a lot of the, the uh, athletes that would perform. For example, my favorite skateboarder of all time is Bucky LASIK. And he would release these DVDs of him just doing tricks to punk rock music for like a half an hour, basically. And I'd go into the skate shop and buy this DVD for like $5.99. I'm getting very specific. And it was amazing. And then X-Games... In the beginning, I, I remember they would have them on ABC so you could you could watch them and if it was... Because they took place in the summer for the most part. And if there was nothing else on, then they would play them. But otherwise, you'd have to catch the X Games on ESPN. I don't know where they show the winter X Games. I could not tell you. Ever since Sean White retired, I don't even know if it, they still have it, to be honest with you. It could be tubing for all I know right now. And uh, a an nice luge, I guess. But um, I'll put a button on this episode. Why did I like the X Games? Because as a young... Impressionable adolescent, seeing somebody use a skateboard to fly through the air was insane. Uh, do I still like the X games? Absolutely. I tried to teach my niece how to skateboard despite having zero knowledge, but like they say, those who can do. Those who can't teach kids who don't know any better. And does it still hold up today? Oh yeah, the X games are still going strong. They've reduced the amount of events and there's not as much, you know. Because they don't really have as many stars that came from it, like in, in the heyday. But it's still an awesome watch, still an awesome experience. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll go skateboard today. If I don't come back on next week's episode, it's because I got murked. You know what to do. Anyway, I have been the nefarious Mike A. Sims. You can, of course, follow me at Mike A. Sims on TikTok and Instagram. I also stream on Twitch now at Mike A. Sims also because I'm I'm not creative with anything. <laughs> like It's just, oh, this is my name, so just call me this. You don't know want a gamer tag? Yeah, just Mike A. Sims instead of Michael Sims. The guy's like, whatever, man, just whatever. Just go rage because I'm extreme. And you know what happens. He blew up. Anyway, I will see you guys. on I, I forgot how this thing ends. <laughs> I've been Mike A. Sims. You guys have been awesome. I will see you on the flip side of humanity.